step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome, everyone, to Penalty Box Radio. We are back. It's been a weird off-season. Holy moly, it's been a weird off-season. Glenn. That's a little bit weird. <laughs> it's good to see you. It's so good to see you, too. <laughs> it's wow. middle of January, and we're talking about hockey coming back. It feels like 2012. Yeah, I'm like, what a year. What a year this year has been. Last year has been, um, I don't know, it's all over the place. It's but we're back place. in January for the start of hockey. And the National Predators taking the ice on Thursday night, so tomorrow night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Weird schedule coming up, a packed schedule, what, 116 straight days of hockey without a break. And so it's going to be a very slight, if you love hockey, there's going to be something on your TV all the time. Well, unless you're streaming, then it's not always going to be on your TV all the time. Uh, get it together, Sinclair. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty to talk about. The, the hockey's back. It's going to be interesting. We have Mark Sheik from the Hockey Writer coming on. He covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. He'll join us later. Let's go ahead and just kick things right off and looking at what's ahead for this season. So first of all, the roster was announced earlier today on Wednesday. And looking at this, there are some some interesting things in terms of the roster when, when we look at this and, and what surprised most people i think was the taxi squad and shoot there's still people out there like what's the taxi squad it's like where have you been for the past month but i know i mean let me just say this really quick i think that the taxi squad should have their own corporate sponsor name like, <laughs> we're living in a time where there's ubers and lifts so i mean this is a time where the og yellow taxi cabs this is their time to shine and they didn't capitalize on it so i'm just that's just my two cents. I mean, the NHL should take the, take a hold of that, or the Predators at least. It's a taxi squad presented me. by Yellow. They know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at this, the taxi squad, uh, Matthew Olivier, Ellie Tolvanen, Cole Smith, Connor Ingram, Alexander Carrier. The ones that don't surprise me, obviously, are Ingram and Carrier. Olivier doesn't surprise me anymore because he seemed like he's earned his spot. Um, I don't think he's the guy that's going to be always in the NHL lineup by any chance, but it's not like he's going to develop any further and be better by playing at the AHL. He's that little bit of muscle that they're probably looking for too, a harder to play against player. Ellie Tolvanen making the lineup in some form or fashion is there. Cole mm-hmm. Smith was the one that, to me, was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> look was, at you, Cole. <laughs> and nothing against him. It's just that they, I think there's other prospects that maybe could utilize more time practicing with the team. But then on the other hand, you look at it, it's like, well, maybe they get more time actually playing and practicing instead of just practicing with the big squad. So it's it was curious on that part. There's still mm-hmm. one more spot available for the taxi squad. Uh, the big one, though, was looking where Philip Tomasino was going to go because he's just coming back off of World Juniors, he had to go through the required quarantine period before being able to actually practice. He's been in Nashville for a while since after the World Juniors, but he has to quarantine. 
Well, he's assigned to AHL to the Chicago Wolves. For those of you that didn't know, the Milwaukee Admirals opted. We have so many updates to give. <laughs> Milwaukee Admirals opted out of the season this year because they're one of the only privately owned uh, AHL teams, and there's very few in the, in the league, so they're not operating this year. So the agreement was made with the Chicago Wolves, who is also the AHL affiliate of the Carolina Hurricanes, and they'll be sharing the squad in Chicago. So if Tomasino is assigned to Chicago in the agreement, which I don't think there was really anything publicly put out about this, that the agreement that is the CHL NHL agreement based on age is not going to go into effect until the CHL, the Canadian hockey league, the juniors go back into action. So that means that Philip Tomasino is able to play in the AHL until the OHL starts back up again. And then the predators have to make a decision on whether to bring him up to the big club or to reassign him to junior, which is going to be a no checking league this year. So many question marks, Glenn. Whoa, I know. I know. It's so hard to even keep up. It really truly is. And I know like this you is, said, it's like we come back and then there's so many new things. We're like, what so was the many. last thing that we even, yeah. I know it's, it's, it's been since uh, what, early October with yeah. the, the draft and free agency, I think. So, I mean, only three months off, but a lot's happened in three months because they originally yeah. were going to do a full 82 game season and we're talking about a whole youth movement. Now it's well, a 56 they said game they were season. Do a full yeah, they said. <laughs> then the youth movement came in and then they said, oh, we're going to do a shortened season. You're going to have a taxi squad. Then it's like, uh, maybe we should do veteran laden because you want to make sure your team's ready to go if you have to have shutdowns like the Dallas Stars did. So can you imagine if you have anything like that going on that you want to have veterans to be able to step up and not just have another chicken soup game? Yep. Chicken soup and to be honest, I mean, Detroit. yeah, well, <laughs> we'll be seeing a lot of this season. Um, and that's the, that's the crazy thing about this season is that, you know, I kind of had told myself not to have too high of an expectation for the season overall because it is going to be so unique. And there, there's a chance that teams might not even get to the 56 games. We don't know what this is going to look like. We can hope that all the players on all the teams take all the precautions and protocols that they need to, um, to where they can get to that. But we don't know because it's an ever-changing landscape. Because if one team, like, like you just mentioned, the Dallas Stars, <laughs> their schedule gets changed, which naturally is going to change another team's schedule. And then that – it's. It's just, it's like a domino effect. <laughs> yes, it is. So. But I will say this. It was great how when Adam Bingen of the Athletic asked head coach John Hines what the protocol is taking place, mm-hmm. the Predators had a very good answer. John Hines went into detail about how they're doing this in the locker rooms to stay safe and to follow some protocols for safety measures. One, it's important, and then Bingen asks that, so they don't have a Denver Broncos situation where all the quarterbacks were on the COVID positive list. And then you don't have a quarterback. So you obviously don't want that to happen with your goaltenders. So what they are doing is they're keeping goaltenders separate. They're dressed in different locker rooms. And for those of you that have not been in the event level of Bridgestone arena, they have multiple locker rooms aside from just the home and the visitors locker room. They have auxiliary locker rooms across the hallway as well. So they have plenty of space for these guys to space out, especially when you look at a training camp roster, 40 some odd guys, they need space. Now you're down to like your 23-man roster and your taxi squad. I assume they're still going to utilize at least the home, the away, and one auxiliary locker room to keep all the goaltenders separate. But they're doing this for a reason, to keep everybody separate, so not breathing on each other, because just in case, it's all about limiting exposure, right? Then mm-hmm. you have the team meetings are taking place in Lexus Lounge, which is a huge, huge area, and utilizing mic and speakers instead of just having a bunch of guys squish into one room watching film. So they're taking a lot of these precautions and everything too, which has been great. So you don't have a situation like what happened in Dallas because everything will trickle down and you can tell the NHL tried to learn some things from what happened with the NFL this past season and the MLB. 
as well when you're not going to have a bubble like you had before and allowing players to be around family and friends and make their own decisions. It's, Hey, you got to be responsible. If you want this thing to happen, you better be responsible for yourself and for your teammates. Yeah. I mean, they, like you said, it was a good opportunity to use the other leagues to see as guidance almost to try to figure out how they can navigate this space. Um, And that's all that John Hines and any team with their organization can do is to make sure you hone in on your team and make it as safe as possible. And all that we can hope in Nashville is that the other teams do that as well so that Nashville's schedule isn't too much affected and that, you know, it just keeps getting put off. And there's just a lot of, a lot of what ifs, but it's also, it's also very exciting because there's something, there's a uniqueness with this season that I know since I've been a fan of hockey, I haven't seen. And a lot of people haven't, you know, I'm not obviously not thrilled for the cause of it. I think that goes without saying, but the compactness of the schedule, the anticipation of the intense rivalries, um, I just, it's exciting. And I think this is going to be one of those years that we look back on, you know, 15, 20 years from now. And we're like, wow, they actually pulled that off. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be like, wow, the hell happened. <laughs> I know. We'll still be <laughs> Uh, so looking at some of the new faces, obviously the team looking very different, especially when you compare it to just the past three years, how it was pretty much the same team, but new faces on this team, Brad Richardson, Nick Cousins, uh, Eric Howla, and then Mark Borowiecki, uh, Lucas Sabisa claimed off of waivers, and then Matt Benning uh, as well. Lots of different faces on this mm-hmm. team, Nick Cousins, if I didn't mention him yet. A lot of different faces between the defense and the offense as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team gels. And every team's going through this. I'm not, no situation is unique to the Predators when it comes to this because zero teams had preseason games. They only were able to have scrimmages against each other. Every team's having to deal with illness, injury, and new faces to their squad. So it's, I'll preface everything with this is not unique to the Predators. It's just going to be interesting to see how this team copes with it, how they're able to gel very quickly, especially when you had guys like Duchesne missing the majority of camp, it seemed. When I say majority, it means he missed like three days. Yeah. <laughs> or Matias Eko missed like two days. Like You say majority, it's not going to take much to miss the majority season, of camp. Yeah, the season is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, including two days off. There was a Friday and a Monday they had off, so they weren't even on ice that much training. But you could tell these guys did a lot of training by themselves when small groups were able to hit the ice in October. You could see that based on the speed and the level of intensity during practices and during these scrimmages that there wasn't a focus on, okay, let's get to the fundamentals. Let's do the fundies and do these little drills. No, it's straight on to evaluation purposes. They had to then been practicing and be in game ready shape coming into practice. It's not like you had two weeks to prep and then have six preseason games to prep even more before the regular season. It's not like you had a month of training camp. You had a week and a half and you have to be ready to go. Yeah. And it's good. It's positive to hear that from you, knowing that they made the best of it um, and that it might be different with all these familiar unfamiliar faces, but at the same time, they've put in the time and work to make it as smooth of a transition as possible, hopefully. Um, And hopefully we'll start to see that. I know that you had mentioned, um, or you had actually tweeted John Hines speaking about the structure that he wanted this team to play with. And I think that that structure helps take a team a long way Um, If they can all maintain that structure that they've learned in these practices, the scrimmages that can get them through some of those, those off nights, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's established a structure, especially with new faces to where if you have to slot somebody in, they know the structure and they Mm -hmm. boom, they go right into it. That's establishing the plan. And that's great coach speak 
from him, but his coach speak in a good way is that it's true. You establish your structure and your basis of things. So everybody is on the same level that no matter who has to slot in, they know exactly what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be. And that's exactly what he talked about when he answered my question. I'm very, very happy to answer my question. So Glenn only got about a minute before we have to, to take a quick break here, but what's one thing that excites you most about this NHL season or even the natural predators and what you're about to experience? Um, I think just honestly, overall, the uniqueness of it. Um, it really is something different that we've never seen before. And I think that it's kind of letting fans experience in a different way, but it's also letting the players experience something that they love in a different way. I know that we learned over quarantine that, you know, routine fatigue is a real thing, right? And there's sometimes you hear, um, you know, teams will talk about players that they kind of just feel like they're in a rut. They're just kind of playing, they're getting paid and they're kind of like, eh, but this it's still the same game, but it's different. And I think maybe it's going to jolt some players up a little bit um, because it's, it's, it's the same, but it's also brand new. And so I think I'm just excited to watch how all that's going to play out. I like the idea of 116 consecutive days of hockey. Um, I know it sounds exhausting for the players, but I also think it's exciting too, because when you're looking at a 56 game season, you know, a, eight or nine game winning streak in an 82 game season is like, Oh, that's, that's great. But with a 56 game season, it's like, wow, you could really be setting yourself up for <laughs> getting a spot in the playoffs. So that I think is what I'm most excited about just in general. That makes absolute what about sense. You? Well, I'll address that at the beginning of the next seven because we got to get to break. So coming up next, what I'm excited about for the for this season, expectations for the season. Let's go ahead and make some picks of what we think is going to happen this season. All that up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, the game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here in ESPN 1025, the game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, we're excited to be back. And Glenn, before the break, you asked me what I'm excited about for this season. I'm excited for chaos. <laughs> Not, you love chaos, don't you? It, yeah, I do. Not you for like chaos. Organized, organized chaos? Well, in terms of sports, yeah. I mean, organized chaos where it's a little bit of chaos happening. And not the kind mm -hmm. of – not COVID chaos. I'm yeah. excited for the chaos in terms of standings where if a team goes on a three-game winning streak, they could probably, even in the middle of the season, jump four spots. <laughs> that, that's what I'm I looking know. forward to is that kind of chaos here because – I think aside from maybe the top spot in this division, maybe the top two spots, spots three to six are really going to be very competitive and could be a span of three or four points between those spots, between four spots. Mm -hmm. And so I legitimately think there are six teams vying for four playoff positions. That excites me for the chaos because in some prediction models, you're seeing it could be one point separating three different teams. And that's yeah. where every single game is going to matter. And we say that all the time. But it's one of those things that in this season, a 56-game season, teams will literally be able to go back and point to a game that if they had tied, they had not tied, but if they had lost in the overtime and forced overtime, or if they had won in overtime or a shootout, mm -hmm. or if they just won this game or found a way not to take that stupid penalty, they can revert to that and be like, we missed the playoffs because of that game. Yep. And like in an 82-game season where it's so streaky and it's okay to be a little streaky at times, mm -hmm. here you can't avoid – you can't afford – to go on a four game losing streak. You just, you can't, you yeah. have to fix it after one or two losses, or you're going to be in deep doo-doo pretty quick, especially when every game's a four point game. Yeah. Every game's a four point game. In that and I think that's why, I think that's why Heinz talking about that structure was so crucial because 
you can't afford to have those nights of just, oh, I wasn't really my best. And everybody's going to have those. But what you need to have is a system in place so that when two or three guys on the team might be going through that that night, that you still have a chance of winning every single night. And so that's what's going to make this so interesting is that, you know, like we said, you can you can secure yourself a spot in the playoffs with a nice winning streak, but also one or two games where you falter could cost you. So it's just, it's going to be very, very interesting to see. I'm also very curious how, actually, I don't even know if I want to go there yet, but thinking about the end of the season, when you're looking at like the most valuable player on the team, it's like, well, how many of the goaltenders actually played and how many games, you know, how are the, I don't even know how they're going to try to go through all that, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be a very fascinating year. So. No, you're absolutely right. But that's kind of the chaos of that excites yeah. me because we're going to be watching these games and you're going to be watching multiple games. A lot of people are going to be scoreboard watching because you have to yeah. Yeah. in this in this way because there's going to be so many different games going on. And even for the Predators, there's going to be some home games even that starting at different times. I think there was a 6.30 start in there for a home game, especially when you're not having a near, near as many fans or zero fans. It's okay to have your start times be a little off because it's not like you have to wait for everybody to get off of work and get there and everything and have those times. You're, you're, you're also set up nicely too, because there aren't going to be any nine or nine thirty puck drops. Yes. <laughs> oh man. It's going to be glorious. Anaheim, Anaheim would still be trying to get to the arena, but no. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> and for somebody that likes to eat dinner at 5 PM or 5 30 PM every night, which is myself. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> I eat a nice little meal, watch an early little game, go to bed early. <laughs> it's good. I thought you were going to say you watch Matlock and then go to bed early. No, that was before Matlock went off the air, Justin. I watched it. Excuse me. You're okay, so. so dumb. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks. I don't get that enough. So, looking at expectations for this season as well for the Nashville Predators, I'll go ahead and set my expectations and bounce it off to you. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm looking at a team that should be competitive, they should be a playoff team. I still think it's going to be difficult for them to get over the hump and be a Stanley Cup contender. But as we all know, anything can happen in the playoffs. But look at some of the teams they would have to play in the playoffs. It'd be very difficult to get past because the divisional rounds, they have to play your first two is against your own division. So you're going to play through this entire season seeing only the same teams. And then the first two rounds of the playoffs, you're going to see the same teams. Now, luckily for the Predators, that St. Louis and Colorado are not in there be even more difficult but dallas is not going to be a slouch even though i think they can regress a little bit tampa is going to be very difficult carolina be very difficult it's going to be a difficult thing for those natural predators and it's going to require some players to step up which plenty of them have said pretty much every player except for roman yossi needs to have an absolute better season than they had last year mm-hmm. <laughs> that's i mean that's not saying much but they've all even admitted to it philip forsberg victor arvison ryan johansson everybody needs to have a better season pecorina yusuf saros but if this team's going to be successful, they really need Matt Duchesne to step up. And he knows it. He's addressed mm-hmm. it. But he needs to be a true second-line center or a, a 1B center for this team because they cannot be successful if the team is going to be able to – the opposition is going to be able to come out and shut down the Jofa line. And then, like, okay, what else you got in your next three lines? But if they uh-huh. can have two competitive lines, this team can be a lot more dangerous because it makes it way more difficult for the opposition to prepare for them. So Matt Duchesne needs to have a successful season. It doesn't need to be – a ridiculous record setting season, just be average. Yeah, <laughs> if he's just on his career average, <laughs> that would be totally fine for this team right now. 
Yeah, that's actually one of mine. I kind of just zeroed in um, on the top six. Looking at Forsberg, I'm wanting to see him have another 30-plus goal season. Um, seeing him get back to himself would just only further better the Jofa line. But Matt Duchesne, I mean, you know, I, I want to say I want to see him breaking out and being the player that he was when he carried all of Colorado on his back. But I don't even I'm not even asking him to do that for the Predators. <laughs> like you said, <laughs> just wanting him to get to that to that player that when the Nashville Predators signed him, they they knew they were signing up for. Um, and so I'm kind of trying to keep my my expectations, like I said earlier, a little bit low um, because I don't know how the season's going to play out. But if I'm looking at specifics, yes, everybody needs to to bring their best game. But specifically, Forsberg and Duchesne, I really, really, really want to see more from them. And I just want to see – I've bought in now. I've bought into John Hines' system, the structure system. I want to see that because there were a lot of games last year that we all kind of saw we'd see one game and we were just so impressed it was oh it was fantastic this is the team this is the predators and the next game was i i recognize the names on the jersey but i don't understand how they're playing this game <laughs> and so that structure i think is going to give us i'm hoping um that team identity that we're looking for so those are my expectations keeping them a little low no, and, and the thing, too, is the Predators have addressed so much how they want to be a more difficult team to play against, and mm-hmm. they addressed that with the players they brought in. Mark Borowiecki, Matt Benning, Brad Richardson, uh, Nick Cousins. All those guys are a lot more gritty, for lack of a better term, but they play mm-hmm. in a lot of the dirty areas. They're they're the bottom pairing and most likely going to be bottom six guys, but Cousins had a pretty good showing in camp as well. You can tell he's excited to be here in Nashville, but he's difficult to play against. Uh, Luke Cunning brings a flash of youth to the squad as well and a guy that has continued to progress in his career I mean he's a first former first round pick he's obviously gotten more points every season as he's continued to progress he was almost a half a point player per game last season if he can just bump that up by a hundred uh, five hundredths or a full tenth that's going to be huge for this team in terms of production per game in a shortened season would be great for him I think there are some positives to look at for this team. There are obviously plenty of concerns as well that we want to make sure we're fair and looking at concerns goaltending is a concern when you look at this because Yusuf Sarles tends to start out fairly slow. Pecorina needs a big bounce back year. And for big bounce back year, just get to his, his normal average. And that's where you hope that the birth of his son, which obviously congratulations to him, is a big mm-hmm. boost to him uh, and everything. And him potentially wanting to go out with a bang uh, as well. So it's goaltending. If they can just be fairly – if they can be good in average – and not be poor. That's that spells great things for the Predators, and that's where the defense can hopefully step up in front of them as well. So it is going to be interesting to see how they balance out the goaltending for the Predators. I think Connor Ingram maybe get a, gets a few games in. I think it'd be great for him too, especially he's on the taxi squad. So the way I'd like to see it broken down is it be a 50-40-10. 50% Saros, 40% Rene, 10% Ingram. And look at 10% of 56 I was about to say, I'm trying to do the math in my head. (laughs) It's not many many games, so it's five or six games. And I think that's fair, especially when you have so many different back-to-backs in there, is give those guys a little bit of a break and a spell because he's proved himself that he could be an NHL backup now, I think. Yeah. So getting a couple games would be great. Exactly. Cannot hurt to get him that experience. Absolutely not, especially against probably Chicago or Detroit. Yeah. Is what I'll do. Throw them out there on the end of a back-to-back. Detroit's still a team? No. (laughs) Glenn. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let, before we have to go to break and talk to, to Mark from the Hockey Writer, let's get our predictions and how we think the Central Division is going to lay out. Glenn, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, I mean, you can go ahead. No, 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 I'll go, I'll go. So 
here's how I have it laid out in my picks for this division. I think <laughs> Tampa Tampa's going to be number one. Then I'll go with Carolina number two. I'll say Dallas number three, Preds four, Columbus five. Now this could this could change so quickly. I think Carolina could win this division. I think Columbus could be as high as three. I think the Predators could be as high as three or even two as well, depending on streaks. This is going to be a very streaky type of season. So if a team goes on a hot streak, who knows? Especially if a team goes on a cold streak, who knows? And it could change. Imagine the last six games of the season when typically you think, oh, you're in the lull of the season and the team goes on and they lose three out of their last four games or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or they lose in shootouts and stuff like that is going to be detrimental to a team. So again, every game is going to be very, very important. That's just kind of how I have it laid out, but I'm not going to stick my gun to that just because I made the pick. I just think it can fluctuate so, so much. I do think the top two teams in the division though, will be Tampa and Carolina. Yeah. And that's actually, I've, I've got Tampa first Carolina, and then I've got Nashville in third and then Columbus in fourth. And that's all I really focused on because you know, the top four teams are going to be going to the playoffs. So, but my thought process is Tampa, Carolina, maybe they're even interchangeable. I even went, I've, I've went back and forth on thinking, do I put Carolina first? But like, like you, I'm not going to, I'm not sticking to this, but I think that anything after that second slot, the Nashville and Columbus, I put them in just kind of on a whim uh, because it really can go anyway. Just like we talked about earlier, one or two games can, can really, really affect teams now. So Let's just say I'll, I'll stick with Tampa Carolina in one to two, but they're interchangeable. And the rest is up to fate. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, unless, something, it. unless something drastically changes, it should be Chicago and Detroit vying for the bottom, just given the situation in Chicago yeah. right now. Yeah. Detroit should be the bottom period, but Chicago could fluctuate to there with their goaltending situation and with Jonathan mm-hmm. Taves being out and with Kirby Doc being out. I mean, they're losing. They've lost so much, Chicago has. And so they have plenty to, to look forward to in the future, but having those two guys out, that's not a good look for them, for them to be competitive this year. And I know that, that stinks for them. And I mean, for me as covering the Predators, I want Chicago to be competitive because those games can be a lot of fun when they play each other. Okay. Up next, we have Mark Sheeg of the Hockey Rider. Let's preview the Columbus Blue Jackets up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blockwell. And joining us right now, let's go ahead and preview what's coming up for the Predators to open their season. Two games come up, coming up against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And from the Hockey Rider, we have Mark Sheeg joining us right now. Mark, thanks for joining us. Justin, it's great to be back on the show. So it's been a weird, wacky offseason. What was it like for you? Just I know all of us hockey media, it's been weird and everything. But just what was the offseason like for you in terms of just keeping going with hockey coverage? And that's crazy. You would think that we wouldn't have much to do, but with our particular site, we've had the best traffic ever because fans were still so hungry for hockey. I mean, luckily we had a few events go on, like in the summer months, we of course had the playoffs. We had the NHL draft, but we did, we had to just get used to doing everything from home. And th- that was the biggest adjustment for me. And I'm sure for a lot of people as well, you know, you wanted to be careful. You really didn't want to go. I just didn't know what really what was going on out there. We just had to try to take our minds off of what was going on in the world and focus on hockey. And it actually turned out really well for our site, Justin. That's great. And and looking now towards the Blue Jackets, this is one of those teams. And I know we talked off air that Vam and the Predators and I think the Panthers are three of those teams that are going to be kind of battling for that three, four 
five, six spot <laughs> in there that any one of those teams could fluctuate in, in those spots, just depending on how maybe a couple games even go. There could be as little as one or two points separating a few spots in the central. But looking mm-hmm. at this, just what's the excitement level for people around Columbus looking at this team, especially knowing that they've made some additions. They have some great players there. They obviously have a stout defense and John Tortorella can just can get a lot of his players too. That's just it. And, you know, you say excitement. I know we're probably going to talk about it in a little bit here, though, but I know fans were pretty excited for consecutive playoffs coming into a new year. Hockey's coming back. But then the whole Pierre-Luc Dubois situation has really taken a lot of the steam out from a fan's perspective. But from a team perspective, they believe they believe that they can do something with this roster. You know, if Dubois is capped and if everybody performs the way that they can, The biggest question for them is offense. Can they find enough goal scoring? They're 27th last year. That's all the questions they were getting during the offseason this year. I mean, Max Domi is going to come in, um, the new addition at center ice. They're they're hoping that he can make an impact not only down the middle, but also on the power play. They still got that defense back there. They still got a 1A and a 1B goaltending situation. I really think this is going to come down to who can manage the chaos of the season the best, you know, with see the Dallas stars have that crazy COVID situation going on. Everybody's going to be hit with it at some point, whichever team handles that the most and stays the healthiest is probably going to get a leg up. And that can be important in the central, especially, you know, like you said, you know, Florida, Nashville, Columbus, Dallas, Carolina, they're fighting for just a couple of spots. So whoever can stay the healthiest, I think definitely gets a leg up. And Mark, I'm going to dig in a little bit on the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. Um, Ray Ferrara recently said on TSN, you know, it just always feels like Columbus is on the verge of doing something and then something happens. And it's true. And we've seen that over the years. And that was obviously in reference to Dubois' um, desire to be traded when that went public. So what are you seeing here? Like, is there something that we're missing as far as like, why he's possibly wanting to opt out of this team and what does a price look like for a guy like that? I mean, what does Columbus have to secure in return for a trade like this to take place? Well, and that's a really good question on multiple fronts. We don't know everything that's going on with the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. We know what's come out in the media with his request for a trade. And even today, John Tortorella um, went on local radio in Columbus and admitted that Dubois addressed the team and expressed his desire to want to come out, but he did not say why. So it's a very weird sort of dark cloud that's hanging over this team right now as to what prompted this. I mean, he recently just bought a home in Columbus and now he wants to be out and doesn't want to want to be part of this team anymore. So that dynamic, we really don't know. I'm not sure if we're really ever going to know. Um, I'm not sure he's going to admit that or not. So it, it, it's weird. And I, in fact, talked to John Butchagross yesterday. He, he doesn't even understand why this situation is happening with him. Um, he even said that he was offended by the way that he's handling it. But hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll get something from that. But then your other question, what will the Blue Jackets be looking for in a situation like that? Well, they need now help. They need, you know, he was looking to be their number one center. So a package has to include a young center of some kind um, and a lot of pieces. I mean, he just, he was the number three pick in the 2016 draft. And there's going to be many teams like upwards of 20, 25 teams that are going to want a player like him. So 
Yarmulkek line and the general manager is going to have to make a decision. Are they going to hold on to him and try to play the season out and maybe swing for something at the draft? Or is he going to get an offer that's going to be too good to refuse now that's going to be able to help him and maybe take that drama out? That's really going to be the question hovering over the Blue Jackets, especially the first couple of weeks of the season. My sense, though, is Kekalainen is going to be a little bit patient. He's not going to just trade him for peanuts. He's going to wait for the right deal. But then we're going to see on the ice how the team's going to handle that, knowing that this player doesn't want to be there. And, you know, John Torrell would prefer to coach players that want to be there. So that dynamic will be very interesting to watch. And kind of switching gears over to the decor, there's looking at the blue line, there's since been another name added um, in addition to Seth Jones that Nashville would be familiar with in Michael Delzato. Um, He's obviously very well acquainted with torts. They knew each other's style very well. So one would think that he would just be able to blend right into the system. So kind of looking at that, where do you see him being slotted in and what does that look like for some of the younger decor who might get booted out of that spot if he gets in. And that's it. I think we're going to see Delzato on Thursday night, at least the way that the D pair skated um, in the practices, Delzato was on the third pair. So you're right. There was, there is that familiarity. I think Delzato plays the kind of style that Tortorella really likes is, you know, responsible defensively willing to block shots and the one player that that seemed to really impact with this decision is Andrew Peake, you know, recent second round pick. Um, a lot of fans were really excited, you know, with Ryan Murray gone, Marcus Nudevera gone. This was Andrew Peake's time to be ready. And he's on the taxi squad. But the main reason for that is because of the waivers, you know, Delzato and some of the other defensemen would have needed waivers to get down there. Andrew Peake did not need waivers. So his placement over there is an indication that he's going to be a big part of the team, maybe just not right away. But it also speaks to what Delzato was able to do. He went in on a PTO. He earned a one-year contract, a two-way contract with the Blue Jackets. So he definitely impressed John Tortorella. He definitely impressed the team to be able to earn this spot. And, you know, we'll see how far it goes. I mean, you know, 30 years old, you know, still has a little something to give. You know, he, he did enough now to be able to get in the lineup, and I think we'll see him tomorrow night. All right, again, it's uh, Mark Scheig joining us from the Hockey Rider Talking Columbus Blue Jackets as we prepare you for Predators versus Blue Jackets, the first two games of the regular season that starts in January. A weird, weird season looking ahead, but staying with the blue line here, Seth Jones, obviously a name familiar to those here in Nashville. Yep. He is obviously continuing to grow and people have been saying now for a couple of years that his time's coming to be fully recognized, to be a, a, a guy that is co- playing for the Norse trophy. And there's more talk. It seems this year about him, even some of the guys preseason picking him to win the Norris or some betting guides are giving him better numbers to win the Norris. How good is Seth Jones and how important obvious question is he to the Columbus blue jackets? He's probably their most important player outside of the goaltending. I mean, look at the way that the Blue Jackets finished last season when he got injured and then look at the way that he came in the playoffs when he was able to fully heal and you know the way he played Tampa Bay I think some god-awful number like 65 minutes in that five overtime game it just shows the the kind of machine that he is you know we sometimes wonder if he's human but it's just he has that kind of talent but the scary part is he's got room to grow and he even made um, last year that the beginning of the season for him was not exactly his best even though he had the heavy minutes there there were still times that he was beaten on the play and you know could have done some better things but if last year showed anything 
Yeah, that, that's why some of the betters and some people really believe that this could be a year for him to be able to kind of take that next step. And as if the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to get anywhere, it's going to be Zach um, Wierenski and Seth Jones doing the job back there. He literally is their anchor. He does everything so good in transition, can play a physical game, can score goals, just he, he's one of the few players on the Blue Jackets right now, maybe outside of Dubois, that can put the team on his back and take a game over when he wants to. And that's what the Blue Jackets are really going to be hoping for, you know, especially now, you know, Jones talked the other day, you know, he, he's got fond memories of Nashville, the team that drafted him, and he's really looking forward to coming back here, you know, and, and being able to play at Bridgestone Arena. Oh, I'm sure he is. It's one of those things I know plenty of people down here miss him and his play and could actually see the potential that he had well, for obvious reasons, which is worth where he was drafted, but could see the potential of what type of defenseman he could be just given his body. I mean, you can just see it just the way he's built. He's built to be a defenseman and he's so mobile as well. So it's exciting to see him. I only have about a minute left here, Mark, but looking at this roster as well, and the, everybody's announced their roster, their taxi squads and everything. Is there any player to you on the Columbus Blue Jackets that could be a surprise player or a comeback player or a breakout player this year that people might want to keep an eye out for? There are a couple, um, and the obvious name is going to be Oliver Bjorkstrand. Before he got injured last year, he was probably their best offensive player. Um, I think that he, you know, it's obviously a shortened season this year, but I think over an 82-game stretch, he could challenge for 30 goals. You know, he, he's that good. He'll, he'll probably play next to Dubois, so just that whole line uh, is something to definitely watch with Bjorkstrand, how he gets along with Dubois, especially knowing all the news that has come out. Um, couple other younger names you want to keep in mind. Liam Foody um, made a name for himself a little bit in the Toronto series last year, scored a huge goal um, in game five. Um, he's going to get a chance. And I think something that we have to kind of monitor, we haven't played hockey what, in 10 months for the regular season. Some of these younger players, I think, are going to be a little bit more developed, um, just knowing how much time has gone by. And I think that they're going to be primed to maybe enjoy a little bit more success with somebody like him and somebody like Emil Bemstrom as well. I think the Blue Jackets are really high on him. He went over to Europe during the offseason, had a really good showing, showed that he can score some goals, but they're hoping that he can take the next step with them. So all in all, there's really no big surprises um, on the roster. I will say though that their new acquisition in Miko Koivu, he's not going to play on Thursday. He didn't travel with the team in Nashville, so he's probably not going to play on Saturday either. And Tortorella, the team, I got the chance to quickly talk to Yarmo Kekaline. There's no update on him. So we really don't know what that situation is. Um, so a lot more to come there, but that means that Alex Texier is going to play in the in the middle of the ice who's going to be the third line center to start out so it's a very young team that has to prove that they're able to score goals so you know starting tomorrow night they'll have their chance to be able to do it that's going to be a very interesting matchup a very young team versus a very veteran laden team that has a lot of pressure on them to succeed as well well mark as always we greatly appreciate your insight looking forward to this weird season and i'm sure we'll be talking on twitter a lot because we're going to see each other a lot this season as well New central <laughs> division rivals now justin glenn we really appreciate the time thanks for having me absolutely thank you all right, Glenn, so really looking forward to this matchup and seeing Columbus again, just like we're going to see Detroit a lot, Tampa, Carolina a lot. Some fun matchups coming up with the Central Division. It is, and if you don't like them, you better get used to them because we're going to be seeing the same people over and over and over. No, I just think that's fun. I mean, I'm sure we'll, you know, we can expand on it some more, but I mean, there's just such an opportunity for 
rivalries to either get started or really, really get a lot more intense. It's, it's exciting times. Absolutely. Okay. Up next, we're going to have your Q and a that we got from you on Twitter. Some fun questions as always kicking the season off. And remember, we're always going to ask that every Wednesday, the day of the show for your questions. I'll tweet those out and you can tweet us back your questions. We can answer them all that up next from penalty box radio, ESPN 1025, the game. And welcome back to penalty box radio, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. <laughs> Don't mind us <laughs> during commercial break. We tend to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> Okay, so, so Glenn, you got the questions for what we're going to discuss. I did get the questions. <laughs> uh, we, well, it's, it's weird to be back in the middle of January and it's, it's a return episode, huh? <laughs> my brain is already fried. What's going on? Oh my goodness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, we have Papa Pierogi asks, what are your personal feelings about Tempo NSC? And if you were a sandwich, what would it be? Why would it be a hot dog? <laughs> oh. Yes, this is first good. Of all, first of all, I love tempo. I love the meme quality and the absolute just trolling that. National like, I wish I would have thought of this. I oh, wish I would have thought of this. If no one knows what tempo, if you haven't seen this, tempo is the coyote. He's the new mascot for Nashville SC. It is fully based on the coyote that was found in Music City Center in the, on bath- the bathroom counter a couple years ago. <laughs> It just cowered in the bathroom counter. And then they even got the police officer that found the coyote to be in the video (laughs) announcing the new mascot. It's just gold. And for somebody like myself who has used that photo of that coyote on many occasions when the Predators play Arizona, um, I'm just so glad to see it not die. You know, not the coyote, but the story. (laughs) I want it to continue and now it will. It's, it's, It's beautiful and it shows just so much meme and pop culture awareness by Nashville SC and the people in charge over there. And I absolutely love it. So major props to them on adding a fun mascot to, to this city, but to have it be based on a coyote in music city center is absolutely perfect. It is. The uh, story behind it is great. You know? Oh my goodness. Like and when a child asks, what does that mean? Where did he come from? Oh, a real coyote ran into downtown Nashville's <laughs> music city center and jumped up on the bathroom counter. Uh, and in regards to what kind of sandwich I'd be, I probably would be a hot dog because you would. Well, I would because I am kind of a mystery meat. <laughs> oh, sick, Justin. I was about to say, would you be like 100% all beef, like the all natural whatever? No, because I'm full of so many different you ethnicities. Minced meats, hot dogs. <laughs> I have a little bit of, I have Asian, I have Spanish, I have Chinese, I have uh, Anglo American, I have a little bit of everything. What kind of hot dogs have all those? Real ones. I would be a good old like stacked turkey sandwich with like very, very, very thinly sliced deli turkey. Very okay. with pickles on every bite. I would have pickles on every bite. So a turkey and pickle sandwich. Yes. Any bacon. Um, yeah, you can throw some bacon on there, but make sure it's turkey bacon. The turkey bag. Okay. And any yeah. kind of sauces like mayo, mustard, anything? Always like mayo, mustard. Actually, might even do mayo um, and a spicy mustard. I love a spicy mustard. Okay. Paul um, Dunmead, and, do you have any great poupon? <laughs> whatever your choice of cheese um, <laughs> you can throw on there, and I'll be oh, it. I'm hungry. I know. I'm hungry. Okay. I don't want a minced meat hot dog, but. Let's, let's go to Liquid Husband and. <laughs> <laughs> is there any reason why Spisa hasn't been given the Anna sweater yet? At least not publicly. Okay. Sabisa was an alternate captain for the Vegas golden Knights in their inaugural season. He has not worn an A since anyways, his real question is, 
better fringe player development taxi squad or AHL? That is actually a really good question. And I think in terms of development and true development, it's going to be the AHL because it's consistent playing time and getting to play against other people and not just practice. I think the reason why some of these guys made the taxi squad is that they're on that cusp of making the roster and being on that roster is going to be really important to being around the NHL guys to practice with them. And then you might see rotations happening because no matter what, the players getting called up from the taxi squad, if they're waiver eligible, they have to go through waivers. It's basically just keeping a minimal AHL squad that is not playing games with you to practice with you, but they still have to go through the actual business process of waivers if they have to go through waivers. A guy like Tolvanen does not have to go through waivers. Alexander Carrier has to go through waivers. Uh, so that's going to be the curious factor there too, especially as they have, they have to split time in the AHL with Chicago to be basically half the rosters Milwaukee, half the roster Chicago, and that's how they have to go out on the ice. Um, goaltending is a different situation on the other hand, because it's not like you can play two goaltenders in a game and split their time. You don't really want to do that unless there's an injury or something else going on. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why you keep Ingram up. So you can continue to practice with the big club, take on shots from the big guys during practice and things like that, and learn more from Saros and Rene and from the staff as well. Uh, that's just my take on it. Do you have anything to add to that, Glenn? No, I think you make the point when you say the consistent playing time is crucial. Like you said, with the taxi squads, I mean, they're, they're on the cusp. So they're one, they're one phone call away from, Hey, you're in this now. And so I think that with that consistent playing time in the AHL would get him to that point of, of being on the cusp. But I think that right now, I think that makes the most sense for him. So I agree with you. All right. This one comes from Audie. Uh, with the moves they made, this team looks more competitive than I thought at the end of last season. Uh, still not a cup contender on paper, but will the team finish over 500 and be fun to watch? Is he wrong to think that, Glenn? Um, no, I do think they're going to be fun to watch. Like I said earlier, I think that this season is just going to maybe give players a little bit of extra boost. Um it is a shortened season. It's compact. It's a lot of playing time, um, but it's also a different experience for them because they're playing the same teams over and over and over. They're building up those rivalries. Um, and they also are very aware that, like we said earlier, just a few games can, can knock you out of the playoff spot. And normally in an 82-game season, one, one game here and there isn't enough to kill you, but this year it is. So I think that's going to add a different level of excitement for the players and for the fans to watch. I know it is for me. Um, So I think they will finish over 500 and I think they're going to be a blast. All right. That kind of answers. I know Rob Martin asked a question too, about surprising the taxi squad or gut feeling how the team will do. I think my surprise, the taxi squad, I said was Cole Smith. Uh, just looking yeah. at that. And I had to put in parentheses when I was putting that everywhere. Smith, people didn't think, oh, Craig. But no. also don't put don't put C. Smith because, yeah, right. everybody's like, oh, wait, <laughs> oh, he Craig. is back. Which he Craig is Smith, back. Craig Smith wearing 12 up in Boston. Mm-hmm. That'll be that'll be interesting. Which okay. very strange seeing him in that jersey. Not going to lie. It is. It is. Especially a guy that you thought potentially had that type of thing to where he would play his whole career for one team. Yep. Not many players exist like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of those players that kind of seemed to be going that route, just like Pecorine obviously seems to be going that route. It'd be weird to see him. But then again, we've seen plenty of guys we thought would be with one team their whole career and not be that way. Henrik Lundqvist, mm-hmm. one of those wishing him well to, in a recovery from his surgery uh, and everything. Cause he's supposed to be playing for the Capitals. And then obviously we've saw Corey Crawford announced his retirement. Uh, he was going to yes. go play somewhere else. Uh, so it's 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 curious to see that. I still like those stories of guys playing for one team if they're able to make it happen, but totally understand if they, they're not able to do that. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's 
I know it completely went off on a tangent there, but that's that's kind of just how I've seen it in, in that I really like when players and teams show loyalty to each other in a fair way, meaning the team's paying a player what they deserve and a player's asking for what they deserve as well, not something ridiculous because it is a cool story to always see somebody play their entire career with one team. Um, yeah. And so please don't send me hate messages of, well, sometimes I just can't make it work. Like I know sometimes I can't make it work <laughs> and management has to make a decision for what's best for the club. Okay, so Glenn, and looking at... Oh, go ahead. Can be found it at Justin B. Bradford on yeah, Twitter. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> so Glenn, looking at any other divisions, what are there any other divisions that really excite you aside from just the central for obvious reasons? Well, I think just in general, there's not one in specific that like truly gets me amped up. I mean, I think Canada. Yeah. Yep. That's North, the one I was going to go to. Um, <laughs> and it, what's so funny too, is I just call it the North. I don't, I have not seen any print, anybody calling any of these by their sponsored names. I find that very interesting. Um, I'm like, okay. So yeah, the North, I think I'm excited. I'm excited for that fan base because they're excited every year because it's like, okay, Canada hockey, this is our year, this is our year. But now they're all in one place and it's like, (laughs) they're, they're going to be, they're going to be thrilled. So I'm excited for them. And I'm excited to watch that play out as well um, because there, there is nothing quite like, Canadian hockey so I think it's going to be fun it'll be fun to see them duke it out and that's going to be what's going to be most interesting about the Canadian one they are going to have the most travel out of any division aside from the west the west is going to have some good travel because you had St. Louis in there in Minnesota but the Canadian division goes all the way to Montreal and all the way to Vancouver they're going to get a taste of what the central has to go through (laughs) every the central and the west very true Pacific have to go through every single year in terms of cross-continental traveling and everything. Now, granted, it's going to be a bit of a run. I think they're going to schedule out to where you're playing all your Western teams at once and all your Eastern teams at once. But either way, mm-hmm. you have a midway point in Manitoba and Winnipeg. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's your midway point. But I'm very curious to see <clears throat> excuse me, how this all turns out, especially with the Canadian division being laid out a little bit differently from the rest too. And that means no matter what, a Canadian team is going to be in the semifinals mm-hmm. and has the potential for the Stanley cup. That's why it's so exciting for Canadian people. They're always like, this is our year. And now you're like, it really is your year. <laughs> it think, really is. You're Toronto. guaranteed a spot in the final four. <laughs> yeah. Toronto's going to come out and be first in the division. It's going to be, it's going to be a year. It's going to be a year. Well, Glenn, it's so great to see you, Max, you producer too. Max. Thank you so much for taking care of us as always. Good, sir. And if you missed anything, make sure you go to penaltyboxradio.com. Plenty of player interviews because we're doing them via Zoom. So we have so much access to all these players via Zoom. Lots of fun things. Matthias Eckholm on fatherly advice to Pecorine and Roman Yossi. Head coach John Hines about his systems as well. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram for all these different looks inside at the team. And hey, looking forward to opening night with the National Predators against Columbus Blue Jackets Thursday night. I will be there live. One of the few people in the building. And I will I'm, not be, but I'm <laughs> I feel very privileged and honored to be there. So I'll try to do my best to give everyone an inside look to the NHL this season, as I know it's going to be weird. So Glenn, good to see you. And thanks so much. You too. Thanks, Justin. Thanks all right. you all. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in to penalty box right here on ESPN 1025, the game.